comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, I am here joined by Justin Michael, who covers the Colorado State Rams. Justin, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. We're getting close to basketball season. I'm, I'm starting to get that like itch where I want to start watching replay the last games maybe I'll, I'll watch the comeback at VA host from last season I don't know no, oh, I'm gotta, gotta throw that out there <laughs> hey there have not been a lot of great moments for CSU in that building so I have to appreciate the, like that and the G and Clavel game that's about all for I sure. have for sure um for those who don't know tell tell the the Aztec listeners uh, where you work, what you do, what you cover, all that stuff real quick. Yeah, so I work for DNVR Sports. It's a digital media company based out of Denver. You know, we have beats for like all the pro teams and stuff, but I, I just do all things CSU. So CSU football, CSU hoops. We dive into the Olympic sports a little bit, but it, it's mostly just football and hoops stuff. So it, it's been a good time. I mean, it's nice to have a little bit normal Mountain West season. I'm glad the Mountain West is sticking together, at least for the time mm-hmm. being. We'll see what happens moving forward. But yeah, I just, uh, I, I host a daily podcast. I, I write about the Rams, all, all that fun stuff. I do, I did, uh, there was a week or two ago, you had like a like a preseason basketball show with someone whose name I can't remember. Um, but I listened to that and I definitely thought it was good stuff. So Aztec fans, if you are, interested in catching up on some of the other teams I would definitely recommend Justin's pod for sure I appreciate that man I mean it's definitely CSU oriented but I try not Mm -hmm. to be you know too like rah rah rams or anything like that just you know keep it real when it's good we try and say it's good when it's bad it's bad and it's been a lot of bad over the last half decade but (laughs) things are things are really looking up at least on the basketball side it is it is looking up on the basketball side so I think uh I can speak for most Aztec fans. Hopefully the general consensus that I have gotten from Aztec nation on Colorado state is that they definitely expect them to be a good team. I think, I think we would both agree. Um, seems like most people agree that like in some order, the Aztecs, the Rams and the Wolfpack are in the top three, the specific yeah. order varies a lot. It seems like, and I think that's fair, but it seems like those three are ahead of the pack. Um, it seems like Colorado state is getting a lot of love. They just came in at like 36 in the AP poll for the preseason. Um, and Aztec fans, it seems like they understand like Colorado state came in third in the conference last year. They should do at least that again this year. Um, they have a lot of continuity working in their favor. Um, but they're also like, also though, like, sure, they have continuity. That's great. And maybe they get some internal improvement, but is that enough to get them to first place? What are, as somebody who follows the team closely, what are your, what are your thoughts? No, I mean, I think that's a fair skepticism, at least at this point, they, they haven't done it, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of reason for optimism with this team. And a lot of that does stem from the continuity. And I mean, this is just a group that's played a lot together, you know, in, in an era where, a lot of teams are kind of having to plug and play. 
they lost a role player and that was it. And they actually added talent on top of that. They were able to bring in Chandler Jacobs, who's a D2 All-American. So he, I mean, he hasn't done it at, at this scale yet, but he's, you know, like a two-time league player of the year, three-time all-conference selection. So like he balled out at Dallas Baptist, brought in a couple other guys as well. Baylor Hebb, uh, a Loyola transfer. For CSU though, I think if, if they're going to kind of take the next leap, it, it all kind of comes down to defensive success and, they don't have a ton of size, and, and that's kind of what worries me, particularly against a team like, you know, San Diego State, who has a lot of length. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how the Rams deal with that in the post. And I'm interested to see what San Diego State's offense looks like this year, because it's been so, like, three-point heavy the last couple of years. Bradley's obviously, you know, super lethal. Do you think it's going to be a, a lot more of that, or do you think they're going to play a little bit more in the post? Because I – I do wonder if CSU has the guys to, to match up with San Diego State down low. I, I think some a, a listener had asked me about this a couple weeks ago for a mailbag and, and asked how San Diego State's offense has like evolved over the last four years. And the answer in short was like, it's been pretty similar for the most part, but they do change like the tendencies and they change some of the actions and stuff depending on personnel. So it's like, there's definitely a core system and then, the fringes yeah. of it change. Uh, I think Coach Dutcher is very inclined to shoot three pointers, right? He's not a super like analytically driven coach, but I think he just understands that that's the direction basketball is going in and that players like to shoot three pointers. And he's very, I think he's very much like a player's coach, especially on offense. On defense, like the Aztecs, you know, he has very high standards. The things have to be done a certain way on offense. He's like, get your shot. Like, I don't care. Just play defense and get your shot. So, I do think it will be a lot of three-pointers. There has been talk about playing uh, Joshua Tomajic, who was last year's backup center, playing him at the power forward and having him shoot some more threes. There's been talk that that he's been working on that a lot this offseason, so we'll see how that works. I always get, like, cautiously optimistic about that stuff because, he like, he still hasn't done it, right? I think he shot, like, 27% yeah. last year, so um, on, on a small sample. So we'll see how it goes, but that would be – that would be sweet if that worked out. Um, I mean, it just spreads the whole floor, right? Like that's, that's yeah. kind of what Deshaun Thomas was able to do for CSU down the, down the stretch, especially in their NIT run. He has a post game, but he's not like going to play bully ball or anything mm -hmm. like that. He's more of a kind of slip around you and make a layup type guy. But he, he was really lethal from the top of the key. At one point, he actually had like the highest three-point percentage on the team. Now, obviously – at a much smaller, you know, volume. He's not putting up mm -hmm. the same shots that the guards are, but that, that'll be interesting. I'm, I think these CSU San Diego State games really, I mean, they're, they're going to be two teams that play really hard on the aggressive end, but, or really aggressive on the defensive end, excuse yeah. me. You know, Nico Medved's teams, they haven't been like super stout defensively, but they've made significant progress in each season he's been in town. And I do think the continuity factor is, is going to be big for them there. They just, I don't know. I, I worry if, if San Diego State's in their face and they're not making threes, they don't really have the size to like then all of a sudden go in the paint. I mean, Roddy can kind of hold his own with the big guys, but CSU, they just, they need more post scoring and, and they're going to have to defend the, the post, I think, to be just more consistently competitive. And they play a brutal non-conference slate. So does San Diego State. I'm, I'm glad to see that both of them did it just from a conference perspective. You know, I was yeah. talking about that with Nico Medved actually. And if you look at like Nevada's schedule, I mean, if they don't, if they don't 
win the league if, if they lose a couple of these games i mean i don't i don't see how they get in the tournament with that yeah. schedule yeah nevada would have to would have to pretty much run the table in the off season i think if they if they lose i mean they they, one, they had the dudes to do it obviously they're so explosive and yeah surefield might be the best scorer in the league but i don't know i question their depth a little bit too i think san diego state and colorado state I think their their bench guys are a lot more consistent than what we've seen out of Nevada so far. Now, I mean, they might have a couple of guys step up, and we'll kind of have to see how that plays out. But to me, it's it's San Diego State and Colorado State, and then just a small tier below them, Nevada. But I think they have the guys to beat anybody on any given night. Sure. And I think – no, never mind. It was Colorado State split all the series against the top teams, right, last yeah. year? other than Nevada who they only played once and got it that was kind of a weird deal too because it was like after the COVID pause and they didn't really need to play it and it, it kind of cost CSU a tournament bid and there's yeah. there's some resentful feelings um within the university and and just kind of a sidetrack here I kind of think part of that played into the the flirting with the the AAC stuff I think you know CSU Ooh, okay. a little bit they kind of feel like they've been overshadowed i guess and, and mm-hmm. it's not like they've had the success to be like hey you should be you know paying attention but csu and air force they have the the two biggest athletic budgets in the conference two of the along with san diego state two of the better academic institutions just in terms of like schools so i think they were just kind of like hey you know like look out for us a little bit too but um that that, that whole deal was weird we went from looking like maybe three or four teams in the mountain west to barely two getting in yeah yeah, I remember I remember thinking like this is such a bad decision to make these teams play these makeup games because you're not going to gain anything from it. You're not going to get a 15 to there get was no the benefit. Tournament. It's only going to hurt you and then it seemed like it probably did hurt between Colorado State and I think Boise State was the other team that was looking at getting in. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't ideal. Um really quickly, I did want to ask you had mentioned you had mentioned like the lack of size earlier and I think that was something that I've kind of talked about a little bit in regards to the Aztecs last year. And I think that hurt them in their game against Syracuse because Syracuse was just so big and long. And There's this was so much length. And this was an Aztecs brutal. team that was, that was good. And I still think given enough opportunities, like out of a hundred games, I think the Aztecs would have won more than half of them. And granted I'm a Homer, but still, I think like they were good enough to do it, but it was just so much length and they had so much trouble getting the ball inside and and defending on the other end do you think that there is like a ceiling for Colorado State based on their size at the very least on the defensive end yeah I mean I think it's at least fair to be skeptical of it going in we're gonna have to see how they can kind of handle teams with more length and you know the physicality they're they're gonna go up against Alabama and Birmingham this Mm -hmm. year I think that's gonna be like a great just kind of see where they are at just in terms of teams that are, you know, like legitimate NCAA tournament contenders. I would say probably like making a a serious tournament run, assuming everybody comes back, like it kind of feels like next year is the year for CSU. I mean, they're going to have basically like be their fourth year of all these dudes together. And um, I I think they're a tournament team this year. I, I think making it would be a success. Winning a game would be awesome. That's probably about the ceiling that I would say coming in. But you never know. I mean, they just, a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, like I said, their defensive success and also just their three-point shooting. They have a lot of really good guards and they have guys that can put it up, but they were really streaky and they, they would have these 
games and San Diego State was a great example. They went like eight minutes without scoring and they ended up, mm-hmm. you know, coming back and making that crazy run at the end yeah. and I was going like 27 to two or whatever it was. But, you know, you, you can't consistently win that way. And with the, with the teams that they're going to have to get through this year, they're just going to have to find a little bit more consistency, I think, on both ends. Like they flashed a lot last year but it wasn't a, you know, 40 minutes a night type deal. And I think that's where, that's kind of what separates them from, you know, a San Diego state right now who you just, you assume San Diego state's going to go out and, and play quality on both ends. You, you think you hope CSU is, but you're not quite, quite there where it's just like, yeah, every single night, the team's going to have it. For sure. I, I do want to, since this is an Aztec podcast, I do want to start switching back and, and focusing on the Aztecs a little more, but I did, yeah. I did have one more, one more Rams question. Um, that's something that I'm interested to see. I don't know how much the Rams did it last season. Is Nico Medved the type of coach that would or has experimented with like playing Roddy at the five to just try and run the opposing bigs off as a way to counter that size deficit? Yeah, they did it, a, a, especially at times in the NIT, when some of their big guys got into foul trouble. And, and they've had a lot of success there. It's just taxing Roddy because he's such a big part of their offensive uh-huh. game that when you then, it's like, all right, we need you to guard a seven-foot game as Kata as well. I don't think they love doing it long-term. Like, they don't find it super sustainable. But I think for, like, three, four-minute spurts especially, and they added Chandler Jacobs, who I said is, and I think that's really going to give them more flexibility because they want Isaiah Stevens as their point guard. He really developed a consistent three-point shot, but a lot of it was coming out of ISO, and it was kind of just like slowing down the the flow of the game. And they want to play up tempo, so I do think we are going to see them go with that small ball lineup, especially at home. You know, when you're playing, you know, like a St. Mary's or something, trying to, you know, use the altitude to your advantage, which gets way overblown in my opinion, but. You know, it is a it is a factor every now and then, and they have the guys to do it. For sure, that's that's funny to hear you say that because I I so I live in Montana right now. Actually, I, I was I was born in California, right in the San Diego area, but I live in Montana. And I remember the first week after moving here, going to the gym and trying to run. And I don't look at like how I was on a treadmill, and I didn't look at how far I was going. I never I never do. I just kind of run until I feel like I can't anymore. And I was like, I'm just gonna go run a mile. And I ran until it felt like in my chest I had ran a mile, and I'd only ran like half a mile. And I was like, dude, this <laughs> elevation is killing. And I didn't realize it at first. And I went home and I was like, it has to be the elevation because I'm winded right now. So it's 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 interesting to hear you say like from the other side like it's overblown, which I could also kind of see that too. I think it depends on on who's saying it and how serious they're saying it is for sure. Um, I mean, I think I, I won't say it has like no impact. It's, yeah. I just think they perfected like the travel schedule uh-huh. and getting in and getting acclimated and, you know, the proper rest cycle and what to eat and how hydrated you need to be and, and all that. But every, I don't every... know. I just, I feel like times when, teams in Colorado win that's like the go-to like, Oh, it was the altitude. The altitude. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't say it's the only reason it, it would be it would be a factor for sometimes is every year uh, Mark Ziegler, who, who does the, the San Diego union tribune writes an article about how the Aztec basketball team drinks a lot of beet juice before going to elevation, because some article somewhere said that beet juice helps your like body absorb <laughs> oxygen. And so that's supposed to help. And so they all, they all say that they do that. And all the players are like, it's gross, but we want to win. So we drink the beet juice. It's funny. Oh man. Um, I love the quirkiness of college athletics. Yeah. The little stuff like that, whatever, whatever it takes to get an advantage, right? Any little thing you can get. 
Um, cool. So let's shift it. I wanted to get that background for, for Colorado State. Um, let's shift it. You know, the, the listeners, the Aztec listeners at the very least have heard me rail on and on and Kyle rail on and on about this team and what we're expecting and stuff. I wanted to get an outsider's perspective, right? I know you follow the Mountain West decently well. You're, you're, you're well-versed in it. Um, so, so tell me what you've seen, both like in your opinion, as well as like if you've seen any of the fans talk on Twitter or whatever other platforms you're on, like what seems to be the consensus? I, I'd say like everybody feels the ceiling for this team is really high, especially, you know, offensively. And I, I think like defensively, like I said, it's just, you just kind of assume San Diego State's at least going to be pretty good. Maybe not necessarily the lockdown that they've been certain years, but I guess like the big question, at least for me and, and what I've seen a couple other people bring up is just how, how quickly do they kind of put it together with, with so many of the key contributing guys of the last couple of years, you know, have, having moved on, you've added some really talented pieces, mm-hmm. guys that have performed at a high level. But I mean, there's some growing pains that can come with that. And, and like we said, San Diego State, they're not playing, you know, a, a cupcake schedule. They're, they're mm-hmm. going to go up against some pretty significant talent. I could see some early hiccups, but I have no doubts that, you know, by the, the end of spring, assuming that everybody stays healthy, like this is going to be a one or a two seed in the Mountain West. And I, I, I just want to see how lethal, I guess, they are offensively. Like, is this a team that can put up points like with Malachi Flynn a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. or is it a little bit more streaky, which I kind of felt they were last year, where it was good offensively, but it was like some night Shackle was going to go for 35, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, this team's crazy. They could beat anyone. And then there were other games, you know, like where they struggled, and, and Syracuse is not the fairest example with their zone, for but sure. it's just kind of like, oh, man, this doesn't even look like the same team. Yeah, yeah. No, there was, there was a couple of games like against Utah State too, and Matt Mitchell was missing for one of them, but they still – couldn't quite get it going, which makes sense. Utah State had a good had a good defense last year, so it is it is what it is. Um, Who do you see as the leader on this team? On the I Aztecs mean, is it team? Bradley like coming in right away as that veteran guy? Um, you know that is a great question that I don't know how much I've thought about. I think I tend to think of leadership in like multiple different frames so it kind of it kind of depends I think Bradley will be the on-court leader in terms of uh he's the guy everyone will look to when the team needs a bucket for sure right when when they need a score everybody's going to be looking to Bradley that that one is is easy I I can't speak for how vocal Bradley is um having not watched him at Cal and I, I obviously don't know him personally um, so he might be a more vocal guy too. I also think uh, Nathan Mensa will be very much like the defensive leader, being the center who's who's anchoring the defense. Um, and I think Trey Pulliam being just the point guard is kind of just a natural leadership spot, and it's his third year there, so he has the program experience as well. So I love I his think game, man. Guys... I think he's a little bit underrated in terms of he has a little bit of that like killer mentality in him I thought we saw that kind of late in last season where he can just be the floor general and obviously having Bradley to kind of be next to him and be a guy you can dish it out to is is going to be so beneficial but I'm also glad you brought up Mensa because he's my favorite player to watch like in terms of when he's on and he's blocking shots and he's like on fire Mm -hmm. just like on the outside it also feels like he disappears for long stretches 
he uh i think i think some of that is just by the nature of being a defensive player i think on defense a lot of the stuff you do that throws the other team out of their rhythm doesn't get noticed right it's not it's it's not always flashy and he's not you know he's not a big time scorer i don't even think he was the leading rebounder on last year's team despite being the center um so i think you know a lot of the things that your eye tends to tends to wander to uh you know, he doesn't always do. And then it's the little things um, that can really throw a team's rhythm off that you don't notice unless like, I don't even notice them. Right. And I'm a lot of times I just watch Mensa when the Aztecs are on defense. Cause that's going to tell me like what they're trying to do. And a lot of times I have to go back and watch the game slow down and be like, Oh my gosh, this is what Mensa did. And that was amazing. And that set up this whole thing. So I think that's, that's part of it. Um, yeah, definitely offensively. He he's been inconsistent for sure. Um, that's a big question for CSU too. Like, I think they're going to need James Moore as an addition to, to kind of stepping up his game as a post defender. And, and he did make great strides, especially in the, in the NIT when they were going up against some good big guys. They need him to be a guy that can kind of post up and score with his back to the bucket at times and just slow things down. He, you, you get him the ball and it seems like he's just going like a mile, a million miles a minute. It's like, just slow it down, you know, get it up. He's not, as like freakishly athletic as Menta is, but he's a little bit beefier. That that's going to be a really interesting matchup in the post. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I really liked what Mensa did last year in the tournament championship game against Kada, because I felt like the two regular season games against Utah State, he he kind of like you said, it seemed like he he disappeared for some of those games and Mensa also can struggle against elevation. That's been something that's been documented over the last couple of years. He just, you know, everybody reacts to it differently and his body reacts to it worse than, than most. Um, but then in the championship game, I just felt like he, he flustered Kata and Kata was another big beefy dude, right? He's in the NBA now. And, and so I was, I was just stoked at how well Mensa Mensa played in that game. He was awesome. I remember watching that game out out in Vegas and, and being really impressed just one with San Diego State in general because Utah State in the tournament the last couple of years they just feel like the team that hits every shot like mm-hmm. part of that I guess was Sam Merrill like that dude was was unreal but Utah State yeah. kind of felt destined they they bullied the hell out of CSU in the post in the semifinal Kata he had like 11 blocks in that game or something yeah, like that a yeah. triple double with blocks it was it was absurd. Yeah. I remember looking at like that box score and watching those highlights and be like, man, Kata is on fire. And this is the team that the Aztecs are running into. That's going to be tough. Hopefully they can hit some outside shots. And then, and then Mensa stepped up and just, yeah, Kata, Kata, even like Kata would score still, he would still get his, but just the body language looked like he, uh, he was just frustrated. Like it wasn't as easy as it should be. That was kind of common for him at times. Like it, he was so physically imposing and he, there were some games where he just took over and there was nothing you could do, but he did seem like one of those guys you could rattle his cage a little mm-hmm. bit and he'd start picking up some sloppy fouls and kind of like arguing with the refs. And I, that, that's one of the strengths I think for San Diego state and CSU, just with the veterans on their roster, I think they're going to be composed down the stretch. How, where do you see San Diego state at from like a transition standpoint? How much did they rely on transition offense last year, especially just since they're so defensively stout? It feels like naturally it should lead to like great opportunities. You you would really think so, especially 
not just being defensively focused, but last year they were one of the best teams at like forcing turnovers too. Yeah. Uh, they, I think they were like, in terms of offensive pace on Ken Palm, I think they were right in the middle of the pack. Uh, so like not super fast. I'm, I'm trying to think of what their synergy percentages were on transition. It wasn't a whole lot. And then on top of that, their transition was very, inefficient they were very inefficient scores in transition which had surprised me because you'll see highlights of last year a player like jordan shackle getting the ball and hitting a transition three and you're drilling like, it yeah oh you know and then you look at and they were like they were like bottom fifth in the nation in transition efficiency or something ridiculous and i was like wow that was really that was really surprising so we'll see they are they are a bigger team this year but there's still a lot of athleticism so i'm interested to see how that will how that will transfer over to how the transition works. Because normally you think bigger guys aren't going to get down the floor as easily, but they still have guys like Kashad Johnson, who's an athletic, just freak of nature out there running the floor. And uh, some of the bigs they've added are, are still pretty athletic. So we'll see how that goes. Um, What's your how, biggest con- concern for San Diego State? I'm not trying to hijack your podcast here, no, but I'm no, no, just no. kind of pick your mind a little bit. For sure. No, it's good. And and hopefully um, some of your listeners will enjoy hearing about the Aztecs as well if, if, they, if they end up coming over. Um, my biggest concern was, man, I just did a, a piece about this. Um, and I can't remember. I think, you know what it was, actually? It was shooting. Because um, you mentioned earlier, like, they're a team that, in the past past couple of years has shot a lot of threes and there isn't a lot of established shooting on this roster. We talked about Bradley, his percentages have gone down every year he's played from three. And I don't think that will continue this year, but it's something that's happened. Um, we have his Hayden. volume might've gone way up too, though. Sometimes those can be a little bit deceptive. Yeah, the, the can be, we have him, um, we have a guy like Adam Seiko is kind of an established shooter, except for he was super streaky last year. He started off red hot and it, the last like 10 games just fell off a cliff with his shot making. Um, and those are like the two, we have Chad Baker, who's a transfer, but sometimes when you transfer in, it's hard to gel. Sometimes you're at a new court, new sight lines that might throw people off. Right. So little things happen. And then there's Keith Dinwiddie who, I'm not expecting to see the floor a whole lot, but those are the only established shooters. Everyone else is like, can they add this shot to their game? So if the offense is three point reliant, like I, I think it will be. And like you pointed out, it has been in the past. That might be a struggle if, if those shots aren't falling. So that would be my biggest concern for sure. I could see that. Do you, with so many guys, especially kind of like trying to step up and play bigger roles, do you think San Diego State's kind of going to be in like a feel it out process and non-conference game where you're going to see like some guys get way more minutes one night, or do you think that rotation is going to be kind of locked down from the start? I think what Dutcher has shown is that he likes to have the same starting lineup if he can. And that might change over a couple games if somebody is, is balling out. Um, but it takes more than one big performance to change that. So he tends to stick with the same starting lineup, but then depending on who gets hot during the game, he'll change up the rotation and the minutes for that game specifically. Um, And so I think it'll be, you know, it'll be in the middle somewhere. I think the coaches the past couple of years, you know, this isn't the first year they've brought in a lot of transfers. And I think that they have shown that they can get guys to gel 
enough early on and then still improve over the course of the year. Um, I do think there will definitely be some tough games early on, like BYU on the road is going to be really tough against a team that does have more of their like key players returning, more starters yeah. returning. Um, but between the talent of a guy like Matt Bradley and then your offensive quarterback in Trey Pulliam and your defensive quarterback in Mensa are still both both there locking down their sides of the ball. So, um, yeah, the, 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 the transition of, like, bringing in new guys isn't too concerning to me. And you have it, like, it's a normal offseason this year, you know, maybe be yeah. a bit of a more of a concern last year with the camps getting disrupted. And, I mean, that's another thing I'm kind of interested to see for CSU. They didn't play very many non-conference games. Like, all their legitimate non-conference games got canceled because of COVID. They lost, like, five Pac-12 matchups. Wow. And so they just kind of had to like roll into Mountain West play and mm-hmm. they, they played Fresno State early and because of the, you know, the weird series with two games at home. And I, don't, I just, everything about last year was so weird, the empty arenas. And I think we're going to see kind of a little bit more consistency. I think there were kind of just some fluky upsets in the conference last year. And part of it had to do with the atmospheres. Yeah no fans and COVID pauses. Colorado State had that weird game against uh, St. Mary's. That was brutal. That was something else. I remember like seeing that and being like, oh man, they're letting me down. I had faith in Colorado State and they go drop this game. It's a bummer. That was Um, one where I was having to try and calm the fan base down because everybody's, you know, hitting the panic button. I'm like, they hadn't practiced in two weeks uh uh and and they won 11 straight after that. So like it was fine, but what do, what do I got? I got basically two more, two more things to pick your brain on. Okay. Uh, first one would be in the matchups, whether it's, whether it's two of them or whether it's three of them, right. Third one being in the tournament. What do you think like the key factors will be that will determine which team wins the game? That's a good question. Like, like, um, a, like, like a key matchup or a key statistic or whatever you want to go with it. I think how CSU deals just with San Diego State's defense, like if, if they force a bunch of turnovers and kind of disrupt them, I could see it, especially if San Diego State gets an early lead, you know, and FDA has, I don't, I don't like that for them trying to be able to come back. I think for the Rams, it's going to be big to, to get out to an early lead and just kind of like see that they can play with these guys. One, mm-hmm. I think that's big just from an attitude perspective, but from a matchup, um, I really think it's like Pulliam versus Isaiah Stevens. I think it's two of the better point guards in the league. You know, who can create more opportunities for their teammates? Obviously, you know, Bradley and Roddy, like the scorers who can come through in the clutch. I really think it's one of those like big, big matchup type games, you know. For CSU, surprisingly enough, it was John Tanjay, a role guy who kind of stepped up for CSU down in, in that comeback. He's who mm-hmm. completed the four-point play, mm-hmm. had another three, like with a minute before that. but. Yeah, I really think it comes down to the big guys and, and just how efficient can you play? Because like you said, San Diego State forced a lot of turnovers. CSU, because they like to play fast, they got a little sloppy at times last year. And I just I think if you do that against a team as good as San Diego State, it's it's going to be a long one. But I'm really looking forward to those ones. I, I desperately want to get out to Viejas for that regular season matchup. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Cool. No, I think I think those are all those are all good points. I would definitely have Isaiah Stevens. Like, I think you could make an argument that he's the best point guard 
in the conference. Um, I think he is, but I'm a homer. I mean, I, I sure. get the, if for you want to sure. say Pulliam, I get it. If you want to say Sherfield, I get it. But I just think Isaiah creates for his teammates better than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you could say that. And I also, I, I've been doing like top five previews for Mountain West Wire and I won't give away any of this stuff, but I did notice while doing the research for those that Stevens is like super efficient with his, with his shots, like ridiculously. So, and I was like, this guy he can, can score, score from anywhere. Like he's he, in the mid range. He creates his own shot. Like he can and, get to the hoop. It's, and he can, he could score so many points, but he doesn't need to because he has so much help in guys like Kendall Moore and David Roddy. Like he, like, he, you know, he can, he can pick and choose his spots to take those shots and be efficient with them. Whereas a guy like Grant Sherfield in the box score looks a lot better. He's scoring so many, scoring so many more points, but he just, I don't think Grant Sherfield has the same amount of help. So he kind of has to. You know, I think Stevens could do that if he needed to. He just rarely needs to. Um, so I think. And that, I mean, that's that kind of exactly why I like CSU and San Diego State more. Mm-hmm. I just think, I just think they're deeper. You know, I think the top end talent. They've got a couple of guys at Nevada that are, that are awesome. But it's if Sherfield's not getting you thirty, I don't really see how they they hang with some of these other top teams consistently. They're going to uh-huh. beat some of them. They're going to be sure. you know at the top of the league. But coming out at top, on the top when it's all said and done. I just I like the the build of the other rosters better. Even Boise State, I think sneaky could be in that that top three conversation, depending on kind of what happens with some of these other guys. Yeah, Boise, I think their internal development will be important because I feel like they're they're the opposite. They have like a bunch of solid players, but do they have the top level Grant Sherfield, Isaiah Stevens, Matt Bradley yeah, type yeah. of guy, you know, and they might, you know, they, you know, they have, they have some guys like Devin Air might make that leap, but you know, it's, it's, it's a waiting game to see if that does happen. They, um, just, they seem to beat themselves. Like every year I'm like, Oh, yeah. Boise's flashing in December. Yeah. No, and I've, then by February, it's like, well, they're in six all of a sudden. I have, I have faith that pretty much every year Boise will win about 20 games but will not actually do anything of substance. It seems like that's pretty much what happens every year. Like the Larry Stacey years at CSU. <laughs> Just beat a bunch <laughs> of bad teams. And it's like, well, they won 22 games. It's like, yeah, yeah but eight of them were against schools from Colorado. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Um, last thing, kind of a similar question, but what do you think, like, this is kind of a vague question, but what do you think will determine which one of the top two or top three teams like ends up actually winning the conference? Well, I mean, obviously injuries will play a big factor, I think for anybody, but that's kind of a cop out answer, but a little bit. I, I just think it's who can be the most consistent defensively because I think all of these teams can score and San Diego state probably has the advantage there just inherently with the, the length they have in the system. It's, you know, proven time and time again. I, I just think it's going to be like, who can get stops in these big games? You know, who can go on, who can hold the other team scoreless for two, three minutes, under five minutes to go and come up with a couple of big buckets themselves. Cause I don't really see any of these teams like blowing anybody out. You know, I don't mm-hmm. see you Boise State, Nevada, San Diego State, all these teams, like they should be pretty exciting games, competitive. Maybe one of them ends up being a blowout. Fluky stuff happens in college basketball, but I just think it's, you know, the, the defensive success and who can win those key, you know, two, three minute stretches, you know, at the end of the first half with 10 minutes to go in the second half, the last couple of minutes, all the, I'm giving you kind of some cliche coaching answers, but there's some inherent truth in those, you know? Yeah, no, there's, 
there's, you know, sometimes the coaches say them just because that's what they're told, like what they've been taught to say over their years coaching. But a lot of times there's some, there's some truth in it. So no, for sure. It's, it's, I think it'll be a fun season. I think there's a lot of like parody this year. It seems like the middle teams have, have hopefully taken a step up. I've said that before and been proven wrong. So we'll see, but it seems like the teams in the middle are a little bit better there's more than one or two teams at the very top, right? Which was similar last year. There were like four teams at the very top. And so hopefully we can get for sure, at least a uh, two bid mountain West and hopefully a three bid mountain West would be, would be, That'd be so cool. Yeah. I will say, I like that. I'm glad that they got the season last year and they did what they had to do to like reduce travel. But I think everybody having to go to everywhere is, is such an important factor because I think Teams like Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State, Utah State, they're so reliant on that home court advantage. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a matter of like, well, who lucked out and had to go on the road for their tough ones? Like CSU yeah. had to go to Logan and Viejas like, mm-hmm. and Wyoming, who's their, you know, one of their biggest rivals. And like, well, that sucks. Like, that's brutal. And, and this year, I just, I think it's going to be a little more normal. I hope everybody like shows out. San Diego State never has an attendance problem, but some of the other schools can be kind of up sure. and down. CSU being one of them, like this needs to be a league that's, you know, has the good atmospheres and, you know, mm-hmm. gets the TV interest and all that. Like we need the fans to, to do their thing. Definitely. Hopefully, hopefully with CSU looking like they have a good team this year, that'll, that'll help. You would sure. think, right? Like think. they're opening against Oral Roberts and Max Aismas coming to town. Like if you can't get excited about that, I mean, I know most <laughs> people don't really dive into Oral Roberts, but if you watched any of March Madness, you'd probably know that name. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Justin, I think, I think that's all I have. I think it's all Word, I have. Man, to... this was a blast. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll have to do it again, maybe for like a actual, like a game preview. Yeah, uh, let's do it. Do you have anything you want to pitch to the listeners? Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Justin T. Michael. Uh, if you want to follow the, some of the CSU stuff, it's at DNVR underscore Ram, or you could just follow DNVR underscore sports if you wanted to follow just like everything we do you know we got broncos great nba coverage if you're if you're an nba fan some of our nugget stuff is the best round i'm not trying to like toot our own horn or anything but it's it's cool to work with talented people and be like man i want to do what they're doing for sure no i'm a i'm a big fan of like just having very localized coverage because national coverage i just i think it's just part of the nature but you just try to do too much and so you don't actually know the teams you're talking about. And, and if you're a casual observer, that's fine. You won't notice, but people like you and me, like if somebody when you talks about every teams, game and you hear the same storylines every we, time. And, yeah. And a lot of them aren't even like accurate anymore. They're representative of like five years ago, you know? So like it, that bugs me. So it's, it's, I really like, like, you know, people like you and other places that just have like very good coverage of like their team, their city, whatever it is, it's good stuff. So. Well, I appreciate that greatly. And I've, I'm a big fan of the Mountain West Wire stuff. I think it's cool. There's just, there's not a lot of people that, you know, like truly nerd out over the Mountain West. You know, mm-hmm. we're definitely in the minority. You, especially on the hoop side, me a little bit more so on the football side, but just with the way that basketball has gone the last couple of years, it's, it's tough not to just mm-hmm. dive into this wholeheartedly because it's, it's a fun time to be a sports fan. It's a fun league. I know that all of us have higher aspirations in terms of power five conferences and whatnot, but I do think at times like Mountain West fans kind of forget it is cool that like there's a lot of established history and rivalries and you know like 
I've been watching CSU San Diego State battle it out in crazy basketball games since I was, you know, eight years old. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's some there's some coolness to that. For sure. There sure is. Cool. Justin, I'll let you get out of here. Aztecs fans, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.